Well, we are here gathered, and I'm so thankful that we get the opportunity. I always say that when we're out here, because I just love being outdoors. The last time we were here, the, <clears throat> the last time, well, I don't have a voice. This could be interesting. The last time we were here, the ducks just kind of settled in and, and hung out with us. We'll see, we'll see what they do this time. Um, when I was a youth pastor, can you guys hear me okay? Not, there we go. Okay, that's actually better. When I was a youth pastor, uh, we went on mission, mission trips every summer. The place we usually went was um, a place called Lame Deer, Montana. Uh, it was part of the Northern Cheyenne Reservation there. And we had about a 15-year relationship with the community up there, particularly a, a one pastor who was served up there most of his, actually all of his career um, in a small lonely situation, just serving the Lord in broken places. One of the, the times we, we got there, we had you know, been on the road for two days, and we get into where we were, and they had a couple cabins set up near the church so that groups like ours could come in. And there was the church, and then up on the hill was kind of the pastor's house. And so I went up and knocked on the pastor's door, and he invited me in. And the rest of the youth group was kind of doing their own thing at that point, um, getting things unloaded. They were, um, you know, getting things set up in the church for the kitchen, those sorts of things. And as they were doing that, and as I was in the pastor's house, this crazy storm blew in. And that storm blew in this crazy hailstorm. I mean, it went from nothing to just like, nickel quarter size hail just falling out of the sky. So while I was safely overlooking my group, I just watched all these kids and the adults that we had just scattering as hail pelted down all over them. It was really funny to watch. Mostly because all the kids got to safety, but one of our adults a guy who had grown up in the youth group and we had brought him up through, he was now one of our interns. Um, he was the farthest out from anything, but right near him when he started running for shelter was this bucket. And so he grabs the bucket and he throws it over his head to shield himself from hail. But there was like two gallons of water in the bucket. And so he just tossed, I mean, he just drenched them. And then I just see him running across the grass with a bucket on his head. All the while, I was absolutely dry and safe. Protected in a warm and dry place. Safe and secure. Some of us, as we think about our lives and we think about various times in our lives, we know that there are times when you were like me in the perfect refuge. And other times you know that you were like that young man with a bucket on his head running through the hail. In the middle of a psalm that I'm pretty sure few people have ever bothered studying, and fewer still have ever bothered memorizing, you will find these words. They're from David. He writes, I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Just pause on those 
words for a moment. He says, I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. And I just want to say that I know there are some people who are here today right now that need to hurry and find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. It would be really perfect if right now these blue skies turned into a storm and we did the rest of this morning huddled together in the center of this tent while just the heavens opened up, right? The demonstration of what I'm talking about. But we don't need that to happen to be intimately aware of what it means to hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest because we are a people for whom the raging wind and the tempest is swirling around us most or if not much of the time. So I'm going to go to Psalm 55. I'm going to read this and we'll come across those words that I've already said. That we must hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Here's what the word says. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me and in anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, what? That I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. For it is not an enemy who taunts me that I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me that I could then hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend, we used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive, for evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them, he who was enthroned from of old, because they do not change and they do not fear God. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. Pages are sticking together. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. So cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. This is the longest psalm that we've looked at this summer, I think. There's a lot here. Which is why I want to focus in on that one phrase, that one idea, that there is... 
a need for us to hurry and find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Church, there are many, many shelters that we can find ourselves in. Places that we go seeking a refuge from life's craziness, from the hard things that we face every single day. From the attacks of the enemy to the, the stuff that we do to ourselves, there is a need to find a shelter, a refuge in the midst of the wind and the tempest. And my invitation for you today, I hope, is that you will find shelter in the Lord Jesus Christ rather than in anything you else might turn to. In order to do that, what I want to do today is, is really just make a series of observations from our passage. That we might see what the raging wind and the tempest might be in, in our lives now using David's words from thousands of years ago. So let us look to the word. In verse 3, David uses this phrase. He says, and he talks about the noise of the enemy. Here's what he says. Because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, right? Because of the noise of the enemy. Sometimes we need to recognize this, that the enemy is really noisy. And because of that, the enemy may feel really, really big. There's a lot of times when the enemy, all they are is a whole bunch of noise. Their bark is worse than their bite, as is said. There are times when the noise of the enemy overwhelms us and causes us to fear. And here's the reality. Just because the enemy is really noisy does not mean that there is any less a danger for in that noise is the constant wearing down, the constant pulling down of our energy and our souls that might suck the life out of us. I think we face this a lot in our country right now. With the loudest voices convincing us that they are the majority voice. When the reality is that there really may only be a few of them that yell really, really loud. Not only in our country, but it happens in our homes. It happens when parents or a husband or a wife makes it clear to us that we can never do anything right. No matter what others think, somehow there is that one voice in our life that always seems to be louder, and the trouble is we begin to buy into it. Because it's so loud, it convinces us but not only outside of us, but inside of us as well. How many of us have minds, have hearts that over and over and over again yell at us as to our worthlessness, yell at us as to our struggle, when over and over again we are the loudest voice and there are other voices that we might hear. So often God's voice comes not in the loud yell, but it comes in the quiet whisper. It's harder to hear for the noise all around us. I know a man who claims to be a Christian. He's in constant fear, worry, and anxiety that the world is going to end in our lifetime in ecological and environmental ruin. 
Now, I don't know what you think about climate change and all that kind of stuff. But what I do know is that the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1 that Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. And in Colossians 1, it tells us that, that Christ sustains all things. He's in control. The trouble that we have right now is that there are so many really loud, continuous voices that would tell us stuff that the word tells us not to worry about because God is in control. You see, one of the consequences of not being in the word enough is that the voice of God becomes less and less and the other voices of this earth, of this world, become louder and louder. Church, we need to be a people that turn the news off and open up our Bibles. We need to be a people that stop listening to the echo chamber of Facebook and social media and read the word of God, his words for us. The consequence of not being in the word enough is that God's voice becomes less and every other voice takes over. John 10, 27 to 28 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Church, what do we have to worry about? What power in this world do we need to worry about? What voice yelling other stuff matters more than what the word of God says? What? Church, we must hurry and find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Amen? Also in verse 3. He talks about trouble being dropped upon him. Hear this. For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. Now I want to tell you, I love this image of dropping trouble on them or on him. So often for us, trouble just seems to come out of nowhere. We weren't looking for it, and suddenly it's all around us. COVID would be a great example of that. One moment all is well and the next everything just seems to be falling apart. Trouble falls in our laps. This happens when others make their problems our problems. Always counting on you or me to fix their problems. They cannot keep out of trouble or do not want to and so they expect those around them will always just bail them out. Psychology has a word for this. It's called enabling. And it doesn't help them because they just keep returning to the same thing over and over again. This happens when others make problems for you, attack you, slander you, drain you. I've been there. We've all been there in this moment when life is hard, right? Maybe it's because we've got two tiny children. And sleep is seldom. Or maybe it's because there's problems at work and we can't pay our bills in life. Or whatever other things are piling up and then suddenly somebody comes to you and lays this other thing on you. And it's like, I just can't handle it all. I just can't do it. It just falls into our laps. They add a little more thing, one more thing into your circus and it feels like everything is just going to come tumbling down. 
But it also happens when we people, when we, you and I cannot get our act together and we keep dropping problems on ourselves, and sin and in struggle, sin persists, it drags us down. And Christian, you need to hear this. You need to remember this. If you are a Christian, you are forgiven for that sin. But so many times the earthly consequences of that sin persist. We drop ourselves into trouble all the time. Someone gets pregnant outside of marriage. Someone turns drunken driving into a ticket or worse. Someone turns an angry rage into an overnight jail stay. Right? We still sin. We still struggle. In church, there is forgiveness for those who struggle and sin always. For those who would turn to the Lord. But so many times we drop ourselves into trouble because of that sin. Trouble just seems to fall into our laps. Does anybody ever feel like trouble just keeps falling into their lap? Church, I want you to hear this. Because it's often said in another context that we cannot outgive God. Have you ever heard that before? You cannot outgive God? It's true. My father in law has a quote that he returns to a lot. And my father in law is one of the most generous men in just about every way that I've ever met. I think he kind of lives by this quote. It says, well, it seems, somebody, somebody said, it seems you just keep shoveling out blessings. Right? You, keep, you just keep shoveling out. The response to that is then this. Well, I keep shoveling it out, but God keeps shoveling it back in. But his shovel's bigger than mine. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that God's shovel is not only bigger than your ability to bless others, but God's shovel is big enough for anybody else's ability to drop trouble into your life. Hear that. No matter what trouble falls into your life, God's shovel for dumping blessing upon you is bigger. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God has always been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the sameness that is highlighted in James 1.17 is his ability, his desire to give you good things, to bless you beyond what this world tries to dump on you. He wants to bless you. Church, we need to be a people that hurry and find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. In verse 4 through 5, it sounds to me an awful lot like a panic attack. Some of us have had panic attacks before. He writes, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. Now, I don't think I've ever had a full-fledged panic attack, but I've talked to those who have. And this is a pretty good description. Terror, horror, overwhelming. 
one of the storms that comes comes in our own thoughts, our own emotions, and the pressures that we find in our own lives. The trouble with these storms is that we experience them alone. Right? You can be having a pan attack and your spouse is sitting over there singing Kumbaya or something else way better. So often the storms in our life are experienced right here. You don't need lightning and wind and all those things all around us to experience it. In fact, somebody could be experiencing that even while we sit here and sing about a, a mighty fortress. Fear takes over, anxiety spirals down. The stress of life just piles on. David found himself in a place of horror at the experience he was in. Terror. But church, hear this. We worship the one who made us and who knows us perfectly. When nobody else knows what you are going through, we worship a God who knows the number of every hair on your head. Or in Scott's case, his mustache. <laughs> we worship a God who knew our every thought while he knit us together in our mother's womb. Before we said yes or no to anything, he knew what we were going to be about. We may struggle alone, but hear this, you are not alone if you are in Christ. He is with you. And he has experienced the horror of the worst of what humanity could throw at another human being. He's been there on the cross. And he knows your struggle and he knows your pain. In fact, I'd say this, until you have ever actually sweat blood, you do not know what it is like to be in fear like he did on the night that he gave his life. Because that's what he did in those moments. Church, we need to hurry and find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. In verse 6, it talks about the urge to sprout wings and go. He says, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Now, church, it's interesting to me that he chose the word dove here. Before I moved to Lahana, Colorado, I did not know that people hunted doves. But we live in a place that's like the dove hunting capital of everywhere. And it stuns me how someone who's really skilled can raise up their shotgun, get a clear shot, shoot, and miss because the dove goes, Phew! it's amazing. They dodge shell, like they dodge the BBs in the air. It's stunning. And David chooses this agile bird to, to, to list here. Not, not necessarily a big, strong bird, not, not something, but this tiny little dove that just can go and get out of the way. Sometimes we just want to be a people. We want to run. 
We have the, 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 the storms are raging around us. And like my young friend on the mission trip, we just got to run, right, to find that shelter. And running to a shelter, the right shelter is a great thing. The trouble is, is we are often inclined to run to the wrong shelter, to sprout wings and fly away, to escape, to leave whatever is stressing us out or struggling, whatever is attacking us behind, we run. But the scriptures are really clear. We are not supposed to be a people that sprout wings and flee. We are supposed to be a people who turn to God and take cover and shelter under his wings. Psalm 91.4 says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Church, we need to not be a people who sprout wings and flee. We need to be a people that run into the shelter of his arms, of his wings. There's a powerful image that has gotten a little bit weaker because it goes through email chains and those things all the time. A story, and I don't know where it came from, but it came from somewhere. The story that a firefighter after a forest fire once was walking through the, 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 the woods, clearing you know, the smoke and doing their thing. And along the way, they came upon a large dead bird that had been charred up. And right in the middle of the path, he kind of kicks it off the edge with his boot. And as he does so, there's a flurry of feathers and movement. You familiar with this story? Well, and so the story goes that when the fires came through, Mama Bird knew her young were not going to escape, and though she could have, she settled down over her young. And even as the fire comes in and burns her to a crisp, her young, the ones she loves, were protected from underneath. And in the moment, the firefighter kind of kicks this bird aside, right, shoves it off the trail, life bursts out. I don't know if that ever happened. But it's a powerful image when you combine it with what the scriptures tell us about the Lord's wings enveloping us and protecting us from the storms raging around us. We must be a people that hurry and find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. In verses 9 through 11, we get a picture of sin and sinful people. David writes, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. Right, David is looking at, at the, the city center, the center of his culture. And he says, holy cow, all I see is sin. All I see is struggle. All I see is dishonesty. All I see is people cheating each other. All I see is trouble. There are times when we do the same, is there not? When we look around in our culture, we look around in the world, and we think, man, everything around us is sin. In this case, David's not talking about his own sin. He does that elsewhere. He's talking about everyone else's sin and the, and the reality of how overwhelming the sin around us in our culture and our world can be. We are not strangers to this. 
For we live in a world which seems to be getting worse and worse. The sin all around us growing. We have become, maybe you feel this way, we have become resident aliens. But we never moved. We are right where we have always been. But everyone else has traveled further down the road. What the world says about, a, about marriage, sex, gender, drugs, these things are foreign to us. Others of us, we just embrace it. Realizing that it is simply easier to go where the culture goes than to do what God has said. But let me give you a warning if that's you because the rules keep changing. It is actually not easier to travel the road with the rest of culture. You see it all the time in the media. You see people who are right on board get swept away in some rule they didn't even know about. But Christians, we need to stand where the word of God has stood. Remember, God doesn't change. His word does not change. So we stand in the word. I will tell you, it's actually far easier to stand in a place that never moves than a place that's constantly moving. Romans 1, 28 through 32. Hear the sin that we see around us. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Church, we need to be counted as people who seek and find refuge in God and not in the wisdom of this world. There is a shelter from the storm of sin that not only we experience in our lives, but also the, the storm that we experience from the world around us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 promises that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. To find refuge, to find escape from that sin in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 24 through 25. He put himself for our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. You even see in those passages this idea of the refuge that we can find in Christ. Church, we need to hurry and find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Finally, we come to verses 12 through 14 and to verses 20 through 21 together. This is where I think this psalm actually really comes together, where the, 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 the real storm in David's life is coming from. Hear this. Starting in verse 12. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, because then I could bear it. 
It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, O oh man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. And then jumping forward to verse 20 and 21, he writes, My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. Friends, sometimes the most painful storms, the worst storms, are the storms that come from those who are closest to us, those who should be our best friends. He talks three things here. He says of this person that he is a companion. He is a familiar friend, and he is one that, that they took sweet counsel together with. That's powerful images of friendship, of a bond of, of love and connection with someone. And some of us in this life, we have been hurt by some of those people who are closest to us. Whether it's been a parent or a spouse or a best friend, someone from a church, our church, there are those times when we find ourselves being hurt by those who should be closest to us. We find ourselves being hurt by those who should know better. A number of years ago, I worked with a guy in ministry. In the course of the two of us working together, we saw perhaps 100, maybe 200 kids come to Jesus. We saw any number, I mean, 10, 15, 20, 25, I don't know, um, students set on path to ministry to serve Christ with their whole lives. Many of them are still in that track. But shortly before things got really hard in that place, I discovered something that was not okay in his life and in his heart. And in the course of investigating that, he found out. I didn't have a chance to sit down with him and to talk with him before he found out that I was investigating and looking in on what was going on in his life. In fact, on the very day I had set to go speak with him, he came to speak with me. And we had a hard conversation. The end of that conversation, things were really good, actually. It wasn't that day, it was a few days later. But then a couple months later went by and there were some things that hadn't changed. And in that church, I needed to go talk to our pastor before I went any further in the situation. And when we did, he got really upset. And he's never talked to me since. We were brothers. But because of division, got pulled apart, got separated. Now I will tell you, I don't think that I did anything wrong in that. But I know he thinks I did. And my prayer for him in this moment, it has been ever since, is that, that he would be able to find shelter in the Lord. That he would find a refuge in that storm. We need to be people that find shelter and refuge in Christ when we find ourselves being alone, being attacked by those around us. 
The Bible tells us that there is one who is closer than a brother, one who will never leave us. Proverbs 18.24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Some of us have experienced that level of friendship with another human being. But Hebrews promises us that that friend is to be Christ. It says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, when we put Christ in that place as our shelter and as our refuge. There is one who will never leave us. There is one who will never abandon us no matter what others around us do. No matter what pain comes from those that we love. We need to find, to hurry and find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. Church, I'm saying this over and over again. Hurry. I mean, don't wait. If you have not found Christ as your shelter, as your refuge, then do not wait until the next storm comes. But hurry and find it now. What we see is that we are sometimes pulled out of the storm. I mean, that's the great thing about a really good refuge. It takes us right out of the storm. It pulls us to a place of safety, a place where we will not need to fear, where we will not struggle. But there are other times when that place of safety is in the midst of the storm. Verse 22 in our passage, I want you to hear this. This gets to the heart of God. I have my page turned. I almost read the wrong verse. He says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. You know what that means? That means that David knows that, that in the middle of all this, the storm is still going to rage. His friends are still attacking him. His enemies are still plotting against him. But he knows that because he has placed his faith and his trust in the Lord, that no matter what happens, his feet are planted. They will not be moved. The storm can come. Winds, waters, waves, fire. And his feet will be planted because he's not the one holding himself up anymore. But Christ is. Christ is the one who's holding himself up. This isn't just a platitude. Hey, turn to the Lord and he will strengthen you. Turn to the Lord and he will help you. Look at the Bible. In the book of Daniel, there are two stories that we see. One with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those three men, for being faithful to the Lord, are cast into a fiery pit. He does not rescue them from that, but he rescues them in it. And in that moment, there is a fourth being that meets with them in that place and protects them in the middle of the fire. God has the power to put the fire out. 
And yet God in that moment instead met them in the fire. Daniel, the better known story. Daniel also for being faithful to the Lord is thrown into a den of lions. And yet again, God saves him in that place. He closes up the, the, the lion's mouths. He protects them. And Daniel is, is saved. Daniel is spared. Right? Their lives are spared because they turn to God in refuge. But that's not always the way it works. In the New Testament, we read about Stephen, the first Christian martyr, who again for being faithful to the Lord, finds himself in a place where the enemies of the Lord want to kill him. But in this case, they get to. They get that chance. And in that moment, Stephen is being killed. What happens? He looks up at the sky and he is received by the one who will never leave him and abandon him. And the Bible tells us that he has peace in that moment. I will not tell you that if you turn to the Lord right now, that your life will be easy, that you will be spared from hardship, pain, struggle, storms, or whatever. But I will promise you that if you make Christ, right, if you turn to him and acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, that he will be with you in any storm that shows up. Hurry, hurry, and find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest that is all around us. Turn to the one who is our shelter and is our refuge and is our savior. Make that choice today. Would you pray with me? God, we do come before you. And Lord, I don't know, I don't know what storms each one of us face right now, but I know that we, many of us, we are in a storm right now. And God, some of us open our eyes and we just see you there with us. Others of us, others of us have not gotten to that place yet. And I pray, Lord, that if there is anyone here who is in that situation, that they would give their lives to you in faith and trust, that they would repent of, of the lives they've been living and believe that you have something different for them. I pray, God, that we would be a people that make you our refuge, nothing else, not, not anything else we, we might turn to, but you, Lord, alone. God, we thank you and we praise you as we come before your word. The constant reminder to us what should be the loudest voice in our life of your goodness and about the gospel, the, the change that's happened in our lives and who you're making us to be. God, we thank you and we praise you and we give you the glory today. Amen. Church, we do come now to the time of the Lord's Supper. And this is the moment.